Next week, can we say next week? I will be here. Oh, I got some of you. But next week we have our kids. Choir is going to be singing and doing their Christmas thing. It's going to be so much fun. We do it every year, and it is a blast. We have so much fun. But it's also a great time to invite family and friends to come and hear the gospel. Um, That you will be singing it and acting it out, and it's just a special time. And then after that, we'll be having our our mission Christmas party. So you don't want to miss that. We'll have some treats and stuff afterwards and just a time to hang out with each other and celebrate Christmas. So you don't want to miss that. And then just some scheduling things for the break. The offices are closed for a couple weeks, the week before Christmas and then the week after. And then that Christmas weekend, we will have online service for Christmas Eve, which will be 5 o'clock on Saturday. So that will be online. And then we have an online Christmas morning service at 10 o'clock. So you can join us on YouTube or Facebook, and I'll be streaming there on Christmas morning at 10 o'clock. So gather your family up and stay in your jammies and enjoy us online. If you show up here, you will be alone. So I don't think you want to be alone on Christmas. So stream it into your house. And then New Year's weekend, New Year's Eve, we have a a New Year's Eve service at 6 o'clock back in the prayer house with new wine. We'll be here. So if you want to come for a New Year's Eve service be at six o'clock and then New Year's Day right here at 10 o'clock we will be here so if you come you won't be alone and we'll come we'll be back in person on the first to celebrate the new year I'm going to be speaking I'm going to um, speak on kind of where some of our focus is going to be this year so you don't want to miss it if you're not here you miss it do you understand that good if you're not somewhere you miss it so, and we'll miss you, so don't, don't miss it, New Year's Day at 10 o'clock. All right, this morning, what's today? Sunday, Sunday the, what, what's the date? The 11th, so we are going to read with Proverbs out of the 11th chapter. Verse 27, whoever seeks God finds favor, but evil comes to one who searches it out, searches for it. Basically, you'll find what you're looking for. Is basically what it's saying. Is you'll find what it's looking for. What you're looking for. Some of you will get this on the way home. You see the same things all around you. All the time that you don't want to see. Because you're looking for it. So. You determine what you focus on. And what you look for. All right. Now that I've offended half the room. Whew. You guys having a good holiday season? Yeah, kind of. Getting start- How many of you feel like it hasn't quite started yet for you? I know. I, I'm, I'm not quite there fully Christmas yet. I'm getting there. Most time it happens after next week. Because I've gotten everything done by the end of next week. And then I can just... Relax and chill in the Christmas season. Um, I want to give a cool testimony real quick. Uh, three weeks ago, me and Des were in Ogden, Utah, um, speaking there with the Shriers, who's been here. Uh, amazing church. It's called the God, God's Place. And it really is a place where God is. It's so 
incredible what they've created there and opened up for God to be. So it was super easy to minister. For those of you that have gone out and traveled and ministered, when you get into a place that's easy to minister in, it, oh, it's, it's wonderful. Because if you've been in the opposite, it's horrible. It is absolutely, it's like drowning a hundred times. And everyone's staring at you and they're wondering, why are you drowning up there? But it's an amazing place. But the, the Friday night, um, I felt led to pray for people that were dealing with Alzheimer's or brain injuries. And so I just was obedient and just said, hey, you know, this is what I want to pray for. If you're dealing with it or if you have a family member dealing with it. And about 15 people came forward. So I, I prayed for them. You know, it took a little bit of time with each person, but nothing special happened. Like, it wasn't some great glory, you know, the clouds didn't part, the light didn't, you know. It wasn't like gold fell in the room on these people. I just simply prayed what I thought God was leading me to pray, prayed for everybody, and then went on with the meeting. Well, the next day, an older gentleman comes up to me and and says, hey, I want to tell you what happened last night. I'm like, okay. He goes, back in 2017, I had a major stroke. And then the next day, I had a heart attack and died. And obviously, came back to life because he's talking to me. (laughs) And he said, so it's been miracle after miracle that he's even alive, for one. And that he can talk. They said, you'll never talk. You won't walk. You know, you'll basically be a vegetable for the rest of your life. And obviously he was there walking, talking, but he said, I, he goes, I used to be a speed reader and had a super high uh, comprehension rate before this. And he said, since the stroke, it's really, really hard to read. And it was one of the things he really, really enjoyed doing. So it's been really difficult for him. And he, so he sent me this testimony. I'm just going to read it to you because it's easier just to read. Says the, and this is from him. It says, the biggest de- deficit has been the brain damage and memory. Like I couldn't remember a thought long enough to say it, let alone write or type or even hold a conversation. That has been hard. Reading has been nearly impossible, like maybe a half a page, and I was so exhausted I would f- sleep for two hours. It was Friday, uh, November 18th, after the meeting and prayer, I went home and needed to get to sleep. So I picked up a book to read, knowing it would put me straight out. One, two, ten, seventy pages later, and still going strong. So God completely healed his mind to where he could read and comprehend. That's how good our God is. He is so good. So I want to pray for those in here because that's the power of the te- we give testimonies because we testify of what God can do and is and wants to do. So if you're in this room and you're dealing with dementia or brain injuries or you have a family member that is, I want to pray over you. If you stand, yeah. So if those around you just can lay their hand on their shoulder and just release. The healing power of Jesus. So Jesus, we release your healing power 
in everyone that's standing right now for themselves or for their family member or friend. That the healing power that came to Bill will come to them right now. That whatever's going on in their brain will be reversed in Jesus' name. That new pathways would be formed. That the brain would completely become in right mind. That it would work how you created it to work. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, I love Christmas. It's my favorite time of the year, for one. The weather is cold, and I like the cold and rain. So it's one of my favorite seasons. But I love Christmas. It's, you know, it's a time that we celebrate Jesus' birth. But another great thing is the whole world celebrates Jesus' birth. They, might, they don't really know it. But they're celebrating Jesus' birth. They give gifts. Why do they give gifts? Why do we give gifts on Christmas? It's because God gave his gift to us. So they're giving gifts. They are performing prophetic acts every Christmas, declaring about Jesus. Even the central figure of Christmas is someone that gives out gifts. Their central focus for Christmas is Santa Claus, who gives out gifts like our good father. Again, remember, you see what you're looking for. But the whole world celebrates Jesus, even though they don't really know it. So it's a great time. It's It's amazing. You know, God's really not concerned that Santa Claus is about is in Christmas. He's not. For one, it represents him. All right, I'm going to move on. But what's to me, other than celebrating Christmas, the best thing about Christmas is the food. Right? Like I'm older now, so presents are great. I enjoy getting presents, but I so much more enjoy really good food. And so for our family on Christmas Eve, we have one of the best meals. I look forward to it all year long because it's Japino, which is full of crab and shrimp and mussels and uh, shrimp. And then we also have clam chowder, which is my absolute favorite. So once kind of summer hits, I will not eat clam chowder until Christmas Eve because I want it to even be more special, something I've waited for for six months. So it's just in the sourdough bread. Oh, so good. And then on Christmas, we have prime rib, which you can't get better than that with all the fat that just melts. And... Tall, every little crevice of the meat. Yes. It's just the best time of the year. But it's also a great time, you know, it's time where you come together with your family and friends. 
and you hang out, you have Christmas parties, you do Christmas, and you, in those gatherings, you know, you have your favorites that come. How many have, you have your favorite person that you're going to see during Christmas, right? You guys don't have favorites? What's wrong with you? Oh, I don't have favorites. I love everyone equally. I love all my kids the same. They're all beautiful creatures. No, you have favorites. Just let's get over it. I have favorite kids. It might change every day, depend on their attitude. But I have favorites, and so do you. And when it comes to holiday, you have favorite people to be around. And then you also have your crazy Uncle Eddie's. How many have a crazy Uncle Eddie in their family? Okay, if you don't know who your crazy Uncle Eddie is, most likely it's you. Just saying. But we also have those people that are, it can be really difficult to be around. You don't have to raise your hands, but you all have already pictured that person in your head. That's really difficult to be around, either because of past hurts that they've caused or just super awkward times together, right? How many of those, just some of those family members are just super awkward and you kind of dread being around them during the holidays. It's okay to at least nod a little bit. Like, I understand, but they're sitting next to me, so I can't do this too, too much. Well, today I want to just spend a quick minute on how, that, how to handle that and how to have a different perspective on it. Will you go with me on this journey? Okay. So Christmas, we know Christmas is about Jesus coming, but the prophets prophesied about his birth. It's Isaiah seven fourteen. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the prophets foretold that Jesus would come to a virgin. So we know the story. An angel comes to Mary says, hey, you're going to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and you should be totally fine with this. And she actually is, which is quite amazing. She does ask, what are you talking about? How is that going to quite happen here? I kind of want to know that. But she says, okay, I'm up for it. And then Joseph finds out the person he is engaged to is now pregnant. And he's like, what do I do? So an angel shows up in a dream and says, hey, Joseph, it's okay. It was the Holy Spirit. Doesn't that totally make sense? Go ahead. Take her as your wife. And he gets up from the dream and takes Mary as his wife. Right? You following with me? Yeah. So now she's pretty pregnant. They have to head to Bethlehem because of Caesar. Wants to take a census, so they have to go to Bethlehem. They get there. When they get there, what is there? There's no... Room in the end. So now Mary has got the death stare at Joseph for not setting up a reservation ahead of time. All husbands know what that looks like. So now the baby's coming. They're in the barn. Mary has, the ba- has baby Jesus, right? So we're going to pick up the story here in Luke 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, 
and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So this angel appears to these shepherds that are just minding their own business, freaks them out, and is declaring that Jesus has arrived. But he does something else too. It's not that he's just declaring that he's arrived. He's actually declaring why he's arrived. Because the angel says, a savior has been born. See, the angel wasn't just declaring, oh, he's here. He was actually declaring why he's here. And a savior refers to Jesus in two ways. Refers, the word savior refers to it as being God and being a deliverer. So he's declaring this is what this baby's going to be. He is God and he's going to be a deliverer. And then it says he is a Messiah, which a Messiah refers to being Christ, the anointed one. Which in the Bible, they anointed a lot of things. They anointed the priests and different things. But one thing they also anointed was someone for burial. So they're not only announcing, hey, this is God. He's going to be a deliverer, but he's anointed for burial. So they're speaking to why he's coming or why he is here. And then after, after that, a few a week or so later, Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple to be blessed. And there's this man, old man, that God promised them, you won't die until you see the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit tells him, hey, you need to get to the temple. So he goes to the temple and then Mo, or Joseph and Mary with Jesus show up. And he takes Jesus in his hands and his arms and he realizes what's happened. And this is what he says. This is Luke 2, 29. It says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So again, he prophesies. You see, seeing your salvation. Again, he's prophesying what Jesus is going to do. That he's going to be salvation. Which means he needs to be, a sacrifice needs to be made. So again, he's prophesying on what Jesus is going to do. 30 years, let's fast forward 30 years later. John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus, which is Jesus' cousin. This is John 1, 29. It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him. And asked, look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Ooh. I love when Jesus starts manifesting his presence, when you start talking about him. But John says, look, the Lamb of God. John's referring to him as the Lamb. Which everyone knew what he was talking about. In that culture, they knew what a lamb was for. It was to be sacrificed. So John is not only speaking to who he is, that he's God, but that he's the lamb of God. 
And everyone knew it because in Isaiah 52, 5, it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears in silence. So he did not open his mouth. See, everybody knew this because they knew it spoke to the Messiah. So everybody, any good Jew knew what was going on, that Isaiah said this. So when John said, hey, that's the Lamb of God. Everybody that heard him knew what he was talking about. That Jesus, this man, would be sacrificed for the world. So it wasn't a surprise. Why, why, what does this have to do with the people you can't stand being around? Right? Just stick with me. I'm almost there. Because Christmas is not just about a baby being born. It's not just about Jesus coming, that God came to earth. We celebrate that, that that's when it, it happened. But we're also celebrating why he came. See, we love to celebrate the baby that came. But a lot of times we don't want to celebrate why he came. Because he came for us, to die for us, which we like that part. But he came to die and be risen again so that we can have life in him. Which means we get to change. So we don't quite want to celebrate why he came. Because then we have to live differently. Because the child came to do something. So he came to die. To be the sacrifice for us. So Jesus is in Jerusalem. It's right before Passover. Right before he's about to die. And this is John 13.1. It says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So Jesus knows his time is done. He knows all the ministries done that he needed to do. It is his time to be the sacrificial lamb. So it's, it's at the point of everything he came for is coming to fulfillment. He's right about to die. So if you knew you were going to die, the things you do are probably going to be pretty significant. Because you know you're going to die. If I knew I was going to die in an hour, the things I fill myself with the next hour are probably pretty important to me. I'm going to do the most important things to me if I knew I was dying. And this is what Jesus does. Verse 2. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, 
to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So Jesus, knowing his time is extremely short, chooses to wash his disciples' feet. That was the most important thing for him to do. And it's interesting, why did he wash their feet? You know, you have to realize, they didn't have shoes. They didn't walk on sidewalks. They had sandals that walked in streets. They had a lot of animals on those streets. So what do you think their feet were covered with? Their feet were covered with poop. With animal poop. And yet Jesus got down and washed the poop off their feet. He washed poop from people's feet. The Lamb of God, the one that was giving his life for them, got down and washed the poop off their feet. Not only that, but Judas is there. Who is bet- that Jesus knew was going to betray him. And had already betrayed him and made a deal with the religious rulers. That he would turn him over to be killed. And yet, he washes his feet. He knew what Judas was doing. How would you like to have dinner with somebody you knew was stabbing you in the back? Be a little awkward, huh? Yeah? Or it hurts you? Or drives you crazy? Or talks about stuff that they know is going to push your buttons? But what did Jesus choose to do? He washed his feet. He washed Jesus or Judas's feet in front of them all. See, Jesus knew what Judas was going to do, but he waits to reveal it to everybody else until after he washes their feet. He could have got rid of Judas and then washed their feet. But what was Jesus teaching them? Thanks for asking. Because he answers it himself. This is verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you... And I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Verily, truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus says, hey, you call me Lord, which puts me at the highest place, and I'm willing to wash your feet. So I'm giving you this example for you to wash each other's feet. Even Judas' feet. Because after this, this is when Jesus tells them all, 
Judas is going to betray me. But he just told them, Watch, wash each other's feet, which included Judas. See, Jesus was talking to them to not only wash the pe- people's feet that they like or agree with, but wash the one that betrayed me. Wash the feet of the one that gave us all up. Wash the feet of the one that's the troublemaker. Wash the feet of the one that walks into the room and says everything to push your buttons. Jesus has given us an example of how we handle difficult people or people that have hurt us. He says, wash their feet. This holiday season, Christmas, when you get together, you can have the same old Christmas dealing with the same old people that drive you crazy or you're uncomfortable around, or make it odd or uncomfortable and just have hurt you and it's painful to be with them. I get it. But Jesus says, wash their feet. Now, please, do not walk up to someone with a bowl of water and a towel, take their shoes off, and start washing their feet. They will think it's very weird, and it's not going to go over like you think it's going to go over. They have no context to what you're doing. The point is, Jesus says, wash the poop off their feet. Serve them, and love them, no matter what. So when they come in, And start talking about all the hot button issues. Just love them. Serve them. Don't make it an issue. See, if you want to see change with them, it starts with you. If you have a problem with somebody, it's your problem. Because you can't change them. Jesus didn't say, you guys need to figure out how to change Judas. Hey, we got somebody in our midst that's going to betray us. You guys got to deal with that. No, he said, wash his feet. Serve him. Love him. So this Christmas, serve the people around you. Wash the feet of the people around you. Find out what is meaningful to them. And wash their feet. See it was meaningful to them. That Jesus washed their feet. Because now they don't have to wash the poop off their feet. But Jesus was willing to do it. And he said if you do this. Be blessed. If you want to be a blessing to the people around you. Wash their feet. Do what Jesus did in his final hours. He chose the most important thing to do was to teach his disciples to wash people's feet. And that's what he's teaching us. In this time, during this Christmas season, is, hey, I came for a reason. But before I could fulfill that, I had to wash their feet. I had to show them what it's really about. So as we go through this Christmas season, wash people's feet. See what happens in your own heart 
when you start washing their feet, when you start serving them, see how you'll start actually seeing them differently. And you won't see them as a problem or awkwardness if you'll just serve them. So this morning, I just want to pray over it. You know, the holidays and Christmas can be really difficult for people, you know, because of loss or lack of family around, you know, or life circumstances. So I want to pray for, for you. If that's you, if, if for several reasons, whether it's, you know, you've had a loss and it's really difficult or you have to deal with a difficult family and you want prayer to be able to wash their feet this Christmas. Because I understand you can have difficult family. So if that's you this morning, I just want to pray a blessing over you. If that's you, that Christmas is really hard because of family situations or of loss. I want to pray over you that God's spirit will come in a special way for you this Christmas. So if that's you, if you can stand. Yeah, band, if you can come up. There's no shame in it because we all have difficult family members or have lived in difficult circumstances. We've had loss. So if you guys around them could just gather around them like family, because you are their family. We're the mission family. Because for some people, Christmas can be really difficult. So let's gather around them like family. And we're going to love on them. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are in the room. You've been in the room all morning long. Ministering to people. So right now, we just ask that you minister to their hearts. That this Christmas would be the best Christmas they've ever had. That they will see miracles in their families. That they would see miracles in their emotions. For those that have lost people this year or previous years and are still dealing with the grief. That you will be their comforter this holiday season. That they would know you as comforter. This Christmas. So Holy Spirit. Release fresh wind. And comfort into their homes. And into their lives. That they have a fresh revelation of who you are. As comforter. Jesus, we just invite you into our homes. We invite the Prince of Peace. So I want you to just say this out loud. I invite you into my home. The Prince of Peace, come into my home. I give you room to be peace. Yeah, Jesus, thank you so much that you are the Prince of Peace. 
and that you did love us so much that you came as a child so that you can come to the cross and be the lamb that was slain and resurrected for us so that we could have peace and life and life to the fullest. Why don't you everyone else stand with me as we finish this morning. So this Christmas, let's be Jesus followers that wash people's feet. So when you're out shopping and everything's going wrong and the cashier person can't figure out anything, wash their feet. At the restaurant you're at eating and the waitress or waiter totally screws everything up. Wash their feet. Give them an extra tip. But let's be people that wash the people's feet around us and love and honor the people around us, even if they don't deserve it. Can we do that as the mission? All right, so let's just open our hands. Say, Jesus... You're amazing. Help me wash people's feet. Teach me how to do it. I will follow you. And we thank you for coming to be our lamb that you gave your life for me. We love you. Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, yeah, he's good. So if you need prayer, the ministry team will be up here to pray for you if you need healing. We also have our dream interpretations. This is a great time of the year to get your dreams. If you read through the Christmas story, there are dreams throughout it all, especially with Joseph's life. So take advantage of that. Have a great week. See you back here next week, 10 o'clock. Don't want to miss it.